Luke 2, and we're going to read here in verse 39. Actually, verse 40. Luke 2 and verse 40. It says, And the child grew mm-hmm, and became strong in spirit. Once again, strong in spirit. Both of those passages said they grew and they became strong in spirit. And he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Amen. You need to, you need to quote that verse over yourself all day, every day. The child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And all the short people said, Amen. All right. Let's look at Proverbs 20. I'm still standing on that verse. I'm not giving up till I get at least six foot. Proverbs 20. Hosh, you can't, you can't claim that verse. Yeah. For Lisa's sake, don't claim that verse. Proverbs 20. Yeah, Amzi or Haas cannot claim that verse. You're done growing. We've got to catch up to you. Proverbs 20 and verse 27. We're going to have a good time tonight. Proverbs 20 and verse 27. Bishop, he helping me already. Nobody else helping me up in the house of God tonight. You all look too serious today. Did you guys take finals today or something? You did. All right. Well, it's over now, so cheer up, please. <laughs> All of you, even you middle schoolers and high schoolers, just cheer up for, for goodness sakes. We're going to have a good word, and then you're going to go get to eat spaghetti for goodness sakes. That's a good night. So Proverbs 20 and verse 27. It says, the spirit of the man, I can't look at Bishop when I'm preaching, is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Hello, somebody. The spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord, Searching all the inner depths of his heart. And in the commentary underneath, it said all the rooms of his belly. That's nasty. All right. (laughs) He all up in your belly now. So, better translation is your heart. Let's just go with heart because your inner belly, that's not a good thing. So, uh, some of you brothers, I've smelled the, I'm not going to leave it at that, the rooms of your belly. So, all right, let's look at one more verse, Proverbs 4. I'm not going to say any more about that. I went to a concert recently. And somebody was just crop dusting that whole front section. And it wasn't a guy. Let's just say that. And it was foul. I mean, I've smelled some nasty guys before, but we'll just leave it at that. Proverbs 4 and verse 23. This is a familiar verse. We read this. Several weeks in a row. It says, keep your heart or guard your heart with all diligence. Notice, for out of it springs the issues of life. Notice, guard your heart or keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. Amen? So if you're taking notes tonight, the time of message is having a strong spirit. Having a strong spirit. Some of you looking at me like you don't have to write that down. Having a strong spirit. You know, you don't get into heaven without at least a couple pages of notes. So go ahead and start them right now. Having a strong spirit. We're going to kind of talk a little bit about what we talked about last week, but I want to kind of take it from a different angle, if that's okay. And uh, last week, just a little recap for those of you who weren't here, we talked about guard your garden. Everybody remember that? 
And we talked about uh, guarding your heart or guarding your garden of your life because out of it flows your whole life. It flows uh, your lack of life or your abundance of life you're living in is w- determines if you've been guarding your heart. And so we talked about guarding your heart, guarding your life. And just a, a quick recap, we talked about two different words specifically that have to do with guarding your heart or guarding your spirit. All the same words, guarding your heart, guarding your spirit, guarding your inner man, guarding your garden, all the same thing. But we talked specifically about guarding your garden. We talked about Adam in the garden. God told him to do two things with the garden he gave him. Told him to guard it and keep it, and he told him to cultivate it or sow into it. He gave him two uh, instructions. And I said, it's the same with us. All these years later, our garden is our heart or our spirit. And God has told us to do two different things with it. To guard it, protect it from people that would try to mess it up, from the enemy that would try to mess it up. And also to cultivate it. That means to plant something in your heart so you have a harvest to reap from. Because if you don't plant anything in your heart, there's no harvest to reap. Hello, somebody. If you don't plant anything in your life or in your heart or in your garden, don't be mad that there's no harvest of life coming back to you. There's so many Christians that are mad because they have no harvest, but God says you didn't plant anything. So it's your responsibility to plant something in your heart, and it's God's job to bring the harvest or the increase. And good, it's a good thing for you because God, not only did he give you the seed, but he's the one who brings the harvest. All he asked you to do was plant it in your heart or in your garden. It's easy. It's that easy. So God only, not only does he give you the seed, which is his word, but he, he brings the harvest or the increase to past. So we realize that we need to guard our heart or guard our spirit because out of it flows our whole life. Now, as we get going here, we're going to get, like we always do, we get started real nice and slow and teach, and then we get, get to preaching. You need to realize this. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. All of you need to know that. You are a spirit, which that's the real you on the inside. And that's your, same word, spirit, or that's your heart, or your inner man, or your garden. Your spirit is the real you. And apart from God, your spirit man's dead. Now, you also have something which is called your soul, which that's your mind, your will, and your emotions. You have a soul. You're not a soul, but you have a soul. And thirdly, which most people, this is all they think that they are, is you have a body. Okay? You are a spirit. That's the real you, and you need to understand that. That's the most important thing you have. We talked about that last week. It said, guard your heart with all diligence or above everything else. Why? Why would you guard your heart or your spirit? Because it's the most important thing you have. That's why you need to guard and keep your spirit, man, and keep it strong and grow it, which is what we're going to talk tonight about growing and keeping your spirit, man, strong. Why is it so important? Because it's the most valuable thing you have. Not your money, not your boyfriend or girlfriend, not your family, not your car, not your job, not anything else, not your good looks. The most important thing you have is your spirit. That's the most important thing you have. And I realize, especially our age, uh, countercultural, they, the, everybody in the culture is telling you that you're just getting your soul, hello college students, your mind educated, that's the most important thing. 
Now, trust me, it's important that you're not dumb either. Hello, somebody. Now, let's not make that an excuse. Well, my spirit's important, so I'm a dumb as a rock. Okay. I believe that God wants you to be strong and healthy, spirit, soul, and body. All three. Not just one, all three. But if you're going to do anything about the three, please make your spirit man the priority, your heart the priority, because that's important. But the culture, they tell you, hey, it's all body conscious. Hello. Okay, some of you guys in here that are skinny right now, you haven't hit your 20s yet. Hello, somebody. And it's not as easy to be skinny as it used to be. I went to preaching. <laughs> Hello, somebody. I mean, if you're not Chad Steele, it's, it's, you got, you, it's, it's hard to keep that weight off. Especially once you get in your 20s. I don't know, something happened. All them cheeseburgers you've been eating all them years start trying to catch up to you when you're in your 20s. And some of you young boys don't help that because you always make me go eat fast food with you. But what our whole culture is body conscious. I mean, the amount of shows that talk about eating right, eating healthy, about exercise, it's ridiculous. How many gyms are there everywhere? 24-7 gyms, uh, DVDs you can get. Everything has to do with your body. How much uh, money is spent on plastic surgery in our country in the past, like, 10 years? It's ridiculous. Billions of dollars. Why? Because they're consumed with their body. And they're 85 years old, and they're trying to look like they're 25, and it doesn't work. They look like an alien. And they're consumed with their body. And they have a weak, shriveled up spirit man on the inside, but they got a lot of plastic surgery, and they look like they're 25. Who really cares? I don't care if, if you look like you're 25 when you're 85. Nobody wants to marry you looking like that. Because your spirit man is the most important thing. Are you guys getting anything so far? And you've got to realize this. God is a spirit. God is a spirit. And God's going to contact you in your spirit. Let me repeat that. God is a spirit. So if God's going to contact you, he's not going to contact your body. Now, you might feel God's presence on your body. How many have felt God's presence on your body? You can feel him. You, you can feel God's presence, but he doesn't contact you to your body. You have a soul. You have, you have the mind, the will, and the emotions. How many, we, we, you feel God in your emotions. You can feel him. You, you know, you can have thoughts that come to you that you know they're from God. So God can touch your soul. But the way that God talks to you or the way God ministers to you is to your spirit because he's a spirit. So that's why it's most important that you develop or your spirit man strong because that's the way that God's going to contact you through your spirit, nothing else. And notice, if you have a weak, feeble, unhealthy, baby spirit man, it's going to be hard to keep in good contact with God. It's going to be hard to hear from God. It's going to be hard to, to, to know the answers you need for your life if you're going to have a weak spirit man. So God's going to contact you through your spirit, man. Now let's look at Luke 2. Luke 2. I know I'm doing some teaching tonight, but you need this. Luke 2. And I tell you, some of you middle schoolers, you need to listen to me. I'm not throwing this over your head. I know I'm talking some real talk and some teaching, but you can get this at a young age. You don't have to wait till you're 25 years old or 30 years old or 40 years old to figure some of these things out. 
And you can far surpass your parents, your grandparents, and all the rest of the knuckleheads that didn't pay attention when they were your age. Hello, somebody. So Luke 2, and we're going to read here in verse 40. It says, and the child grew, and it's talking about Jesus here. And he became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Notice that. The child grew and became strong in spirit. You know, this is Jesus on earth in a human body. And Jesus, notice when he was born, his spirit had to be developed. We're talking about Jesus. Okay, Jesus is God. And when he came to earth, he put away his privileges as God and came as a man. And he's trying to show us an example. Even Jesus had to grow and develop his spirit, man. And it says... His spirit grew and it became strong in spirit. He's trying to tell you something here. If Jesus needed to grow his spirit man and his spirit man needed to be strong to fulfill what God had for his life, why do we think we don't have to grow our spirit man? Why think we can live this life with a weak, feeble spirit man in a strong, healthy flesh or body in a strong, healthy soul and think that we're going to get the same results Jesus had. Jesus, it says his spirit man grew and it became strong in spirit. This is what so many people think. Once you get saved, then that's it. There's, there's no more development. I no longer need to grow. I no longer need to change. I'm in. I'm going to heaven, right? Correct, you are going to heaven. But you're probably not going to live in much victory here on the earth. You're probably not going to do much for God unless you grow your spirit and your spirit man becomes strong. That's when you're actually going to be doing something for the kingdom of God. That's when you're actually going to be making an impact on this world. That's when you're actually going to change the world and not be changed by the world. Is when you have a strong spirit man and it grows. And we know this and we're going to talk about this later. It says when you're uh, born again into the family of God, the first time you were born by the flesh. Your mom birthed you into this world by the flesh. But it says, when you're born again, when you come alive, when when Jesus comes on the inside of you and makes you a new person, it says you're born again. It says you're born that time by the Spirit. And notice, when you're born, what are you? A baby. And you need to develop. And you need to grow. And you need to be strengthened. And there's so many babies in the body of Christ. There's so many babies, Christians, that are around. And they're not affecting anybody. Because they didn't realize they need to grow. They need to be strong in spirit. It's not enough that you're just born into the family. You need to grow up. And the Word of God has a lot to say about that, about maturing and developing and growing. The rest of your life should be... You growing and changing and becoming more and more like Jesus. You don't just stop the day you're born again. I'm in the family. I'm going to heaven. Let's just forget about it. No, you're growing the rest of your life. Or you should be. You should be getting stronger and stronger in the spirit, the re- in, in your spirit the rest of your life. You know, it says guard your heart or guard your spirit for out of it will flow your life. 
So notice this. If you have a strong spirit, you'll have a strong life. If you have a feeble spirit, you'll live a feeble life. How many people know people that are just feeble people? Anything that happens, they freak out. Just constantly, one drama after another drama, after tragedy, after tragedy. They never can get it together. They're always living in poverty. They're always sick. There's always drama. There's always tension. There's always fights. Why? Because they have a feeble spirit. They got a weak spirit. And from your spirit will flow the issues of life or lack thereof. And so if you want to live a weak life, Just continue to have a weak spirit and don't develop it. But if you want to have a strong life, an abundant life, you're going to have to do something about your spirit, man. And I'll say this again. I said this last week and the week before. God has given you everything you need to do it, but it's up to you to do it. He's given you everything you need. He can't do anything else. He's done literally everything needed for you to be able to grow your spirit. He's even put a grace on all of us as believers to to have the ability to do that. And notice, he gave us the Holy Spirit to help us do that. It's not by yourself you're growing. It's not by yourself you're changing. It's not by yourself you're becoming strong. He gave you the Holy Spirit to live in you to help you do that. But notice, he can't help you you if you won't decide to let him help. He won't make the decision for you. It's quiet in this Methodist church tonight. You know, I want to have a strong spirit. You know, there's been some times I have had a strong spirit, and there's other times I haven't. Let me, let me just, uh, not throwing this at anybody. But you can catch it if I'm throwing. But some things to think about if you have a strong spirit. Are you constantly just caught up in drama? Are you constantly one drama after another, after tragedy, after tragedy, does any little thing disturb you or upset you? You lose your peace, you lose your joy over? You probably have a weak spirit, man, not a strong spirit, man. Real talk, let me say that to you. And how many know the world's not going to change with a lot more insecure believers, emo believers that are up one week and down the other? Because the world's just like that. They're emo, and we got a lot of Christians that are emo just like the world because they don't have a strong spirit, man. So when they get a bad grade on their paper, the world goes into depression, but the Christian goes into depression too. Why? Because they got a weak spirit. I'm going to say something, and it's going to step on several toes. they got a boyfriend or girlfriend problem, and when they're fighting with them, they're in a deep, deep dark depression. But when everything's going right, then they have joy and peace Hello, somebody. When you live like that, you're just like the world and you have a weak spirit, man. God never meant for you to live up one week and down the other for the rest of your life and be emo believer. All that tells me is you have a weak spirit, man, and you chose to not develop your spirit, man. You don't have a strong spirit, man. How many know? I know what I'm talking about because I used to be that believer. When me and Lauren would fight, I would be in deep, dark depression and out of control. When we were good, I was on cloud nine. I was happy. I was, I was joyful. I was singing because I was emo believer. And I had a weak spirit. I had a feeble spirit. But one day I had to mature and realize my joy is not based in my boyfriend or girlfriend. My, my joy and peace are not even based in my wife. My joy and peace are based in God. And no one else. 
My joy and peace is not based in my grades or lack of good grades. My joy and peace is not based in my job or my finances or anything else. My joy and peace is not based in whether I had a zit today or if I had uh, three zits the other day. How many know I'm 24 years old and I'm still dealing with zits? But I can't let my joy and peace be surrounded by that. Hello, somebody. So notice, if you're like that, I, I just got to say, you've you got a weak spirit man. Your spirit man's not developed. Because if you had a strong, healthy, vibrant spirit man, stuff like that would not bug you. Now, I'm not saying that your soul, your mind, will, emotions wouldn't feel that emotion. But I'm saying you, the real you, your spirit man, would be stable and solid and anchored to God in that time. And you wouldn't be up one week and down the other. Okay, I realize all of your friends are just like the people I'm describing. And they have a weak spirit, man. So let's not make the excuse, you know, we're in high school, we're in middle school, we're in college. I got so many stinking hormones, I can't help it. The Word of God doesn't say that. Say, it pertains to you if you're an old person, but if you're in college or middle school or high school, it really doesn't pertain to you. You you got emotional problems, so you're okay. No, it doesn't say that. And honey, that's, that's not a fun way to live like that the rest of your life. Emo believer. Up and down. Your life is a roller coaster, for goodness sakes. That's no way to live. A couple grunts and a couple amens. I appreciate that. It's the truth, whether you believe it or not. And I'm talking from uh, my own experience. Like I said, I used to be that person. And not just for a couple months, for years. Haas, you think that's funny? Haas, Brucey. Okay, yeah. That's why I'm married and I got my own house. Okay, I'm not going there. All right. I got a girl. Ain't a baby girl on the way. Thank you very much. Okay. See, don't you laugh at me when I say that. All right. That's the last time I take you to Porto. All right. I remember that. No more coffee for you either. Keep it up. Keep laughing. That's real, though. Okay? That's real, though. All right. He's going to take it the hood route. That's real, though. I feel, I feel that. Can I get a yay, yay? All right. Hey, but I know because I used to be that person. And even our pastor used to, he said that several times. The teenage years of his life, early 20s, were the worst years of his life because he was that person. Of course, he didn't get saved till he was 20-something, but he was that person. He said it was like a living hell for all those years. And you know what? If you don't take control of your spirit man during these years, it will be like that. High highs and low lows. And don't think it's going to get better when you just get older. you could still be dealing with the same stuff. If you don't get a hold of your spirit man and realize, I need to grow my spirit man, and my spirit man needs to be strong, And it needs to weather any kind of storm or any kind of drama or trauma or tragedy that would happen. I got a strong spirit, man, that I'm not moved when stuff happens. If me and my wife get in a fight, I'm not freaking out and depressed and hateful for a couple weeks. If my finances are up, I don't come to church, act depressed, and sit at my seat and not come up to worship anymore. Because I got my feelings on my sleeve. Because I got a weak spirit, man. 
but I got a strong spirit, man. So whether things on the outside are going good or bad, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever and getting stronger because I got a strong spirit, man. And you can do it. And somebody that's like that is attracted to the world. Why? Because everybody else around them is changing for the worse. And if they see somebody who's stable and solid and faithful and not changing, whether there's sickness in their body or not, whether there's money coming to them or not, they're still full of joy and full of peace. That's what it's, it is attractive to the world. Nothing else. Anybody can be happy and joyful when they're making lots of money. Anybody can be happy when it feels good. The sun's shining outside. They just went to Zesto's and got a huge milkshake it's easy to be happy. Okay, well, when Monday morning rolls around and it's raining outside, how are you acting? Because if you're all depressed and moping around, you've got a weak spirit. Hello, somebody. Mm-mm-mm. Can I get a yay, yay? All right. That's real, though. All right. So three things I wrote down here, and then we're going to go chow down on some Cesar salad. Augustus, Caesar Augustus salad, that's his full name. Uh, We're going to go chow down on some spaghetti and garlic bread, which is going to be awesome. But before we feed our flesh, let's feed our spirit. Mm -hmm. And so that has to do with the next thing we're going to talk about here. Number one, first of all, if you want to have your spirit growing and healthy and strong, you're going to have to feed it. Okay, just like, you know, you feed your soul by reading, by doing things like that, by listening, by taking notes, by taking time to think. That's how you develop your mind your, or your soul. You grow your soul. If you want to have a healthy or strong or vibrant body, you need to eat right. Exercise would be a good also. But realize your spirit man doesn't need to be left out of this because it's the most important thing you have. And if you want to have a strong, healthy, vibrant, growing spirit, man, you're going to have to feed it. Okay, just like when you don't feed your natural body, you become weak. When you don't feed your spirit, man, you become weak. That easy. Now let's look over at Matthew 4.4. 4. Matthew 4, 4, it says, Matthew 4, 4, it says, Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Notice that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So what is he saying here? Like food is to your natural body to keep it strong and healthy, God's word is to your spirit man to keep it strong and healthy. Are you listening? Like good food to your body makes you healthy and strong. God's word is to your spirit to keep it healthy and strong. And don't expect your spirit to be growing and strong without feeding it God's word. So my number one, we're going to talk about three different things here. Number one, if you want to grow your spirit and your spirit man to be strong... I know the three things I'm about to say are very basic, are very simple. But there's that th- these things I wrote down is what works. So many people are trying to look for something new when God already told you what to do, for goodness sakes. Saying, I need to go figure out something new. No, stick to the basics. 
Stick to the simplicity that's in the gospel because that's what, what will work. You say, well, I've heard that my whole life. We'll start doing it and it will work for goodness sakes. So number one, if you want to grow or keep your spirit man strong, you have to eat God's word. You got to eat God's word. I, I can't say it any other way. You got to eat God's word. What is God's word? Is that thing you're holding in your hand, the Bible. All 66 of these books are inspired by God and are for you. And they're a love letter from God to you. And they are your food for your spirit. So if you never partake of the scriptures, your spirit man will stay weak and feeble the rest of your life. There's no way around it. And really what I'm praying for, for all of us in here, that you fall in love with your Bible again for the first time. That you start loving God's word. And you know what? If the translation that you're reading you don't like, buy a new one. There's so many good translations out there that you can understand. Stop saying, well, I don't understand the King James Version. Duh, I don't either. I don't read the King James Version, all right? So don't read the King James for goodness sakes. Read something more contemporary. Read the Amplified or the New Living Translation. Hello, somebody. Or the Message or something. It's not really so much important. The translation is important about the revelation that you're getting on the inside of you. You know, there's, there's probably like over a hundred different translations out there of God's word. There's no excuse to not get it in God's word. That makes it very understandable for all of us. So notice, number one, if you want to have a strong, healthy spirit, you're going to have to eat God's word. You're going to have to love God's word. Just like your spirit, man, or just like your natural body needs food, and it's necessary for your body to live, God's word is necessary for your spirit to grow and to be strong. There's no way around it. You know, Job said that I have esteemed your word more than my necessary food. How about that? Okay, a lot of you in here, especially you young men, will not miss a meal, but you'll go days without reading God's word. Job said, I've esteemed your word above my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That I would rather get in God's word than eat my next meal. Because it's that important to me. Because I realize my spirit man is the most important thing I have. Not my next meal at Wendy's is not the most important thing I have. Not my next meal at Chick-fil-A or somewhere else that's not as important as feeding my spirit man. So if, it, so if it's me eating natural food or me reading God's word, I'm going to get in God's word. Because that's more necessary than my natural food. And how many know all of us, it wouldn't hurt us to skip a few meals? Hello, somebody. It wouldn't hurt you. And read God's word instead. I don't know if you're mad or you're happy. What, each one. So Job said, I've esteemed your word above my necessary food. You've got to get to where Job got with his spirit. That you esteem God's word, not just above natural food, but notice above everything else. What about everybody wants to go out on a Friday night and God tells you, I want you to get in the word. What are you esteeming more important? Hello, somebody, your social life or God's word? Sometimes you might have to do that. You know, I don't think God's going to do that every Friday and Saturday night, but he just might. What's more important? You know, if they're good friends, they might just do the same thing also. 
instead of giving you a hard time, why you won't come out with everybody else. I went to meddling instead of preaching. I'm sorry. You know, you should be hungry for the word just like you're hungry for natural food. A lot of you in here, your stomachs are growling because you need spaghetti for dinner tonight. Do you feel that same way about the word of God? And can I be honest with you? I haven't always felt that way about the word of God. God wasn't mad at me about that. It was something I had to develop. It's not just going to hit you out of nowhere. You're going to have to give yourself to it for your affections and your appetites to get to it. You're going to have to give yourself to it. There's many years went by that I was told to read the Bible and I didn't because I had no hunger for it, no appetite. But notice once I started giving myself to it, I started desiring it more. And notice when I didn't read my Bible, I wasn't condemned. I was hungry. Hello, somebody. When I didn't read my Bible, notice I wasn't condemned. I didn't feel guilty about it, but I was hungry. Why? Because I made it a habit of reading God's word and getting it in me. And notice, once you start that, when you stop reading the Bible or you miss several days or several weeks, you realize you can even feel it in your spirit, man, that your spirit, man, feels weak. It doesn't feel strong. It doesn't feel healthy or vibrant. Why? You haven't been feeding it. How many have ever felt that before? You just haven't been in the Word like you should have in in several weeks, and you can tell your spirit, man, is starting to get feeble. Why? Because you haven't fed it. And the only other option is for it to get weak and feeble and you do not have a strong spirit. You know, a famous minister said this. And Bishop, you're going to love this. A lot of you have heard this. He said, most Christians, most Christians, why they live in defeat and not victory, why they live a low level of life and not the abundant life that God has for them, it comes down to this. He said, most Christians... Feed their body three warm, warm meals a day. Most Christians do that. And they feed their spirit man one cold snack a week. And that's why their life is the way it is. It's not God's fault. God gave you his word. It's because you didn't feed your spirit. So your spirit has no other option to, than to be weak and feeble. So notice that. Most believers feed their body, and really everybody on the planet, Three warm meals a day, but one cold snack a week. And that's why they live in the the defeat or the lack of life that they're living in. And that's why people look at your life and say, why would I want to be a Christian and be like you? Because you're just like me. You live in the same kind of defeat I live in. You live in uh, no joy, no peace, just like I live in. Why would I want to be like you? Why? Because you've been feeding your spirit one cold snack a week. And you've been grubbing on hot food the rest of the week with your natural body. You need to write this down, this this word right here. Speaking about eating God's word, whatever you feed will rule you. Whatever you feed on will rule you. Are you hearing me? Whatever you feed will rule you. So notice... If you are so consumed with exercise and eating right, and that's what you feed, then your body will rule you. It will make all your decisions for you. And don't be surprised if you're always dealing with sin issues because you've been feeding your body or your flesh all the time, so that's what rules you. If you just feed your soulish realm, if you're always just reading, if you're always just listening to things, you're always just thinking, 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 if that's what you feed on, 
That's what's going to rule you. But notice, if you feed your spirit man the most, that's what's going to rule you. And that's what God wants to rule your life, is your spirit man. That was always his original intent, that your spirit man would rule your life. Not your soul, not your body, but your spirit. And your spirit man would be so strong that your soul and your body would have to do what your spirit said. But how many know if you're weak and feeble spirit, your soul and your body has control over that. But if you have a strong spirit, your body and soul has to follow it. So whatever you feed the most will will rule you. Let's look at 1 Peter 2. First Peter two. You know, thinking about some of the stuff we talked about the past couple of weeks, I know this is not like shout, praise God, like let's take laps. You guys are getting a new car, talk. But this is what's gonna help you. I thought I'd get amen on that. This is what's gonna help you. Not just when you're young, but for the rest of your life, what I'm talking about here. So don't take this lightly. Say, you know, I want to hear some funny stories. I want you to tell me I'm getting a car and I'm going to marry this person. Okay, this is what's going to help you. Not that junk, all right? This is what's going to help you next Monday, next Thursday, and next Friday. Not me just telling a bunch of funny stories and telling you, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're going to get a raise, you're going to get a bonus, you're going to get a Bentley next week. That's not going to help you next Monday. But this is. And I know it's a little bit more serious than that. And you're like, hey, be funny. All right, I, I didn't come here to be a comedian. I came here to preach the word of God. Now, if I happened to say something funny, you could, you could feel free to laugh because that would be appreciated. But notice my primary responsibility is not to just make you laugh, but is to grow you up. It's to feed your spirit. On that note, I'm going to take a line from Bishop. Most preaching is mental or flesh preaching. And people like that more because it feels better. But what we're endeavoring to do is preach to your spirit, man. Because that's the most important thing. And that might not always be the funnest thing to listen to. But that's the thing that's going to matter. And that's the thing that's going to really grow you up and ha- let you have a strong spirit. Well, a couple grunts. Alright. First Peter 2. In verse 2. Notice I said... When, you, when you're born into the, the family of God, you're born again, you, you're a baby, spiritually. And you need to grow up. God is very uh, you know, honest about that, that he desires his believers to grow up and not be babies the rest of their life. Not just be teenagers, but be mature and full grown. Hello, Weege. Be full grown. And so in verse 2, it says, as newborn babes... He's talking to, to, to baby believers. Desire the pure milk of the word that they may grow thereby. Notice, as soon as you get in the family of God, when you're, you're a baby Christian, when you start desiring the word of God, just even milk from the word of God can make you grow and be strong. But notice, eventually, you got to grow up and become a teenager and start eating something or drinking something other than just milk, you need to start eating some solid food. The Word of God talks about that. 
that you shouldn't always just be on milk the rest of your life like a little baby, that you need to start eating some meat eventually and some mashed potatoes eventually and some green beans, some broccoli. And it says in Hebrew, some strong meat sometime. And not just be a baby milk believer for the rest of your life. But you need to have a desire to grow. You know, if you just, if all you read is just like in the Psalms, you're probably a baby still on milk, all right? Because Psalms is kind of milk. Proverbs is kind of milk. You need to start digging into some other parts of the Bible other than that. It's good. You'll grow in the Psalms and Proverbs, but you need to get into some, some, some more solid things. Some meat, some mashed potatoes, some green beans. Hello, somebody. Some grilled cheese. Can I get an amen? A milkshake every once in a while. That's Hebrews, milkshake. So, notice, even the milk of the word will make you grow. You know, when you're empty physically, you'll eat any kind of junk, won't you? When you're empty. I don't know how many times I've eaten so many places, I said, I will never eat this again. And I'm so hungry, I'm so empty, I will go eat there. There's a lot of places on that list that I've told my parents, I will never eat there ever again. Well, why? When you're empty, anything will fill you. And you'll look to anything to fill you. And that's when a lot of us as believers get in trouble. Why? Our spirit man's empty, so we're looking for everything else to fill it, whether it's good for us or not. Quiet. Very quiet. So when you're empty, you'll turn to anything to fill you. And that's when a lot of us get into trouble. I got to say myself, in high school, when I was running on empty, that's always when I got in trouble. Every time I made dumb decisions. I did the wrong thing. Why? Because my spirit man was empty. I was running on empty, so I just looked at anything to fill that up. Why? Because I had a weak spirit. So number one, you need to eat God's word. Number two, you need to love God's house. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, we're about done here. Hebrews 10, and we'll eat some spaghetti. My, my. Hebrews 10. These are very basic things, but these are the things that work. So number one, eat God's word. Number two, you need to love God's house. Hebrews 10 and 25, it says, Not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another or encouraging one another to come to church. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So notice what it says here. That you need to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. What's he talking about? Coming to church. Being with fellow believers. Being in a community of believers. Don't forsake that. And it says some in the last days will start forsaking the assembling of themselves together. They'll start forsaking the church. They'll start forsaking the house of God and say, I just don't see the importance of it. I'm just not just a church person. It only needs to be me and Jesus. I don't want no pastor over me telling me what to do. Well, you haven't read your Bible, apparently. Because it says, don't forsake that because that's important. Because God's plan from the beginning was to build his church. And Jesus is only building one thing on this planet, and it is his church. So if you're not involved in a local church, what are you a part of? What are you doing? Because Jesus loves the local church. 
you got to realize the hope of the world is the local church. I'm sorry, I spit on you. The hope of the world is the local church. The solution to the world's problems is the local church. And God's heart is the church. So you can't be one of these people, which i got a lot of friends like this. I just love Jesus, but I don't like the church. You can't separate the two. Why? Because he's the head and we are the body. He's the bridegroom and we are the bride. You cannot separate us. Just like a husband and wife become one in marriage, Jesus and his church have become one. And you can't separate them. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I don't like to come to church. I don't want to be involved with fellow believers. That's not scriptural. Somebody has sold you a lie. Because if you love Jesus, you'll love his church. Because that's what Jesus loves. So that's bull. If you just say, well, I just love Jesus, but I don't like church. No, Jesus loves the church. So if you love Jesus, you'll love what he loves, and you'll build what he's building. And the only thing he's building is the local church. So you've got to have a love for God's house. If you read the book of Acts, they had a love for God's house. You know, those believers, those early believers, they didn't just meet a couple days a week. They met every day. They ate food together. They fellowshiped together. They worshiped together. They listened to people preach to them. They did all these things together. Why? Because God's intention was not that you would just come to Jesus, but you would come to his church. You know, from the beginning until now, God said it's not good that you are alone. God never intended for you to be lone ranger believer. Or you to be out there by yourself. No, he intended for you to be in a community of believers that you could encourage each other. You could pray for each other. You could build each other up. Not that you could just be wandering out there by yourself. God never intended that to happen. Realize this. All the chapters or all the the books in the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All those were local churches. All the the leaders he mentions, like Peter and James and John and Paul, were leaders in the local church. You cannot separate you from the local church. You cannot separate you from God's house. You know, in the New Testament it says, God's house is the church. Hello, somebody. And if you're going to have a growing, healthy, strong spirit, you're going to have to love God's house. And you're going to have to love God's people. There's no way around it. Every person I've ever seen forsake assembling together has went down. Every time. Because you can't do this life by yourself. God meant for you to have community. He meant for you to have godly friends. He meant for you guys to encourage one another, not you be by yourself. You ever notice this? In the animal kingdom... The dumb seal that decides to swim off by himself is the one that the shark goes after. The seal's in a group the shark doesn't mess with because there's safety in numbers. Same way in the church. The dumb person that says, I just don't need pastors. I just don't need Christian friends. I'm just going to do my own thing. You are prey for the enemy. And you're going to get taken out because there's safety in numbers. You know, Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men is wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. He who walks with wise men will be wise, 
but he who is a companion of fools will be destroyed. It's so important. I know you've heard this before and you're saying, I've heard it before, but it's the truth. If you want to have a strong spirit and grow healthy, you need to love God's house because that's his plan. Is that you're involved in his house. You know, I'm just going to say some real stuff here, but you're only going to go so far just even showing up to church, but until you decide to start giving, hello, start serving in the house of God, you're only going to go so far just attending church and just having a superficial relationship with everybody at church. And you see them once a week, but you don't hang out with them during the rest of the week. You're only going to go so far and being a strong believer. Some of you are not getting the same results because you're not putting the same amount in as others who are committed to the house of God. So you got to realize God's intention was not you just come to church every once in a while but really not be involved. No, you to be involved, you to be knit together with those people, doing life together, giving into the house of God, serving in the house of God. Watch where your life will go when you start doing those things and just stop attending church. There's, there's millions of people that attend church religiously and they're not getting anything. Why? Because they haven't decided to, to get in there and to serve and to give and to really build the house of God. Well, I'm trying to help you tonight. So he who walks with wise men will be wise. Where are you going to find those men? And those women of God in the house of God. And you know, if you've got any friends that are always criticizing the church, those are fools. And it says a companion of fools will be destroyed. But if you walk with wise men, you'll be wise. One last thing. You've got to love God's house, God's people. You need to love God's word and eat it. And lastly, you need to have God's heart. In Revelation 2, in verse 4. I appreciate everybody coming out tonight. The spaghetti is going to make this message a whole lot better afterwards. Revelations 2 and verse 4, Jesus is speaking to a church, and it's the church at Ephesus, and they had a lot of things going on right for them, but he said, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Notice that. Jesus said, nevertheless, I have this against you. They did all these things right, but he said, you have left your first love. You know, it can be so easy, especially us that have grown up in church, that we come to church, we serve, we give, we do all those things, but we, our heart's really not in it. Now, there's another side of it, because some people do all that, but they're, they, somewhere along the lines, their heart left it, and really it doesn't mean anything to God when your heart's not in it. And notice what he said to this church. This church had it going on, but he said, you've done all these things good, but you've left your first love. So my question is, just keep it simple. If you want to have a strong, healthy spirit, man, you've got to have to have God's heart. 
And he's going to have to be your first love, not your second love, not your fourth love, not your fifth love. And that has to affect everything else in your life. And what pleases him is that he has your heart. Not that he just has your money or your ministry helps or your church attendance, but he wants your heart above all those things. Now, I believe if he has your heart, all those things will follow. You know, something that, you know, they say at Hillsong a lot is keep the main thing the main thing. And that's what a lot of us need to do because a lot of us are getting distracted with things that really don't matter. And we just need to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's loving Jesus and Jesus having our heart completely. And first of all, let's look at 1 John 4 and verse 10. It's the last verse tonight, 1 John 4 and verse 10. Notice 1 John 4 and verse 10, it says, And this is love, or this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Notice this, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. So lastly, when we're talking about loving God and having his heart, realize that your love is dependent on knowing his love first. You only love God as much as you know how much he loves you. No more, no less. And our life has to be rooted in not how much we love God or how much we do for God, but how much God really loves us. And that has to be first. Because so many people are beating themselves up. I don't love God enough. Well, you're, you're going at it all wrong. You need to realize how much God loves you first. Because notice, he loved you first. Before you knew him, before you knew anything about him, when you were a sinner, when you hated God, when you did not know God, God loved you. And he loved you first. And he loved you when you weren't a good person. And he loved you when you were nasty. And you were a sinner. And he died for you when you were like that. So don't forget how much he loves you because that will affect the way you love him and the way you love others. You know, when somebody starts treating people hatefully and not kind and not in a loving manner, I realize they don't realize how much God loves them because they wouldn't treat those people that way if they realized how much God loves them. So if you notice that with people, if you start being irritated and angry and mad at others all the time, you got to realize how much God loves you because that will in turn make you love others. You know, it will be a lot easier to love other people once you realize how much God loves you. And not just how much he loves you, but how much he loves that person you're being mean to. He loves them just as much as you. I know that's hard to believe sometimes, especially people that get on your nerves really bad. God loves that person just like he loves you unconditionally. Unconditionally. There's no strings attached. No matter what they do or what they say, God still loves them unconditionally and perfectly. So we need to keep the main thing the main thing, and that's to have God's heart, or more importantly, for God to have our heart. You need to realize this. He was beat for you. He was mocked for you. He was put to shame for you, for your sin, for your poverty, for your sickness, because he loves you. He's not one of those people who just says, I love you, but don't do anything. 
He demonstrated his love by dying for us. How many of your friends have died for you because they love you? Nobody. I got awesome parents, but my parents didn't die for me. They don't love me like God loves me. And you got to realize that anybody in your life that loves you a whole lot, you got to realize that's awesome that they do, but they are no way in comparison to the same kind of love that God loves you. The best parents you have, the best friends you have, they don't love you on the same level God loves you. And his love will change you. And his love will keep your spirit man strong and healthy. If you wake up every day realizing the God of universe is not mad at me and he loves me, that will change your day. You will walk around with the strong spirit if you wake up every day saying, you know what, God loves me. And you know what, if I do something stupid today, God still loves me. And his love didn't change for me this morning when I didn't do anything to later on tonight when I did make a, make a stupid decision. His love is unconditional and perfect. Not like human love. It's perfect. But if you want to have a strong, healthy, growing spirit, you're going to need to realize God's heart for you and have a focus that God's heart must be number one in your life. That's not only going to help you love God more, but it's going to help you love others. But realize what's first. God's love for you is always first. God's love for you is always first. And I know you're saying, I've heard that my entire life. It's so simple. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's some of the best theology or preaching you could get for the rest of your life. You learned it when you were a little kid. That is the best information you could ever have to live on the rest of your life. If that's all you knew, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, that will preach. That will keep your spirit man strong every day, knowing that the God of the universe that holds everything together is in love with me. He's not mad at me. He loves me, and he's for me. Amen? Would you guys get anything tonight? So having a strong spirit, having a strong spirit. We've got to love God's house, we're going to eat God's word, and we're going to have God's heart. That's going to keep our spirit man strong and healthy. I appreciate you guys listening tonight. We're going to eat some spaghetti and garlic bread. Thank you again, Caesar salad. Let's give it up for Caesar salad again. So let's stand up together real quick.